So we're going through the Bible, um, one book at a time, uh, to see where Jesus is found in each book of the Bible, because the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus, and then uh, Jesus came, and he lived a, a, a sinless life. He um, went to the cross for our sins, and he died, and he was in the grave for three days and resurrected, and now he's sitting at the right hand of God. And then the um, the rest of the New Testament is telling us how to live for Jesus and how to help others. And then Revelation reveals Jesus coming back the second time, and he's going to bring his church uh, to his side. And so every book of the Bible points to Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation. And last week we talked about the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is, is named that because it's the actions of the apostles. And the apostles used scripture. Now, what scripture were they using? They weren't using the New Testament yet. The Old Testament. All scripture is God-breathed and ready to rebuke and to correct and to teach in love. And so we come back to these minor prophets. Now, they're not called minor because they're like little and the major prophets are better. Okay, major prophets went to major cities and, and regions, and minor prophets went to a, a city or just a town. But both of them had a powerful message of bringing repentance back. Because they were actually doing things in motion, in tradition, but their heart was not in it. And so Amos is coming to Israel and saying, look, here you need to give your life to God. Here, you need to turn. Here, you need to stop the traditions and have heart in your worship. And so, Amos, right off the bat, his name points to Jesus. Anybody know what Amos' name means? Burden bearer. Isn't that interesting? He was chosen to be a prophet of God, and he was pointing to Jesus already because Jesus is the burden bearer. Bearer. Now, what is a beast of burden? Anybody know what a beast of burden is? Okay, we don't use that very often these days. A beast of burden is a domesticated animal which is trained to carry people or goods. Different animals are used around the world. The beast of burden should be like elephants or donkeys or horses or yaks or oxen, mules, buffaloes, camels, anybody who's any animal that's doing a load of work. Okay? And so uh, when, when I was growing up, my brother had this uh, little game. Um, so, yep, come here. All right, so you're not going to see it on Facebook, but um, my brother had this little game where he would get on all fours and bend. Holy mackerel! And then he would just stand like this around all the time. Okay, thank you. Good example. Big hand for him. Big hand. And so me being the you know the, the young one, <laughs> I used to like you know hit him and say get on, and then he would throw me off and. Okay, that would be a burden. That would be a burden. So that wasn't typically a burden, but if you sat on, that would be a burden. Okay. So a beast of burden is someone, uh, an animal that takes uh, heavy loads that humans can't carry. And so the book of Amos. Is one of the oldest four books that uh, came from the prophets, and uh, it was um, pointing to Jesus. And it was in the contemporaries of Hosea, Micah, and Isaiah. 
Amos most likely had a very short prophetic ministry, perhaps as short as a year. This probably occurred between 760 BC when Jeroboam II was king of Israel. During this time, the people of Israel were divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And so Amos was a prophet from Tekoa, a town of the southern kingdom of Judah. He was not a professional prophet or a member of a prophetic guild, but a farmer. He was just a herdsman who was called by God to go to the north to prophesy. The time during which Amos prophesied was a time of relative peace and prosperity for the kingdom of Israel and its neighbors. Why would you want to send a prophet when there's peace and prosperity? Because what were they trusting in? Peace and prosperity. (laughs) They weren't trusting in God. And they were building this prosperity and this peace on the back of poor people and slaves. Amos announced God's condemnation of both Israel and surrounding regions of greed, injustice, brutality, and particularly the oppression of the poor by the wealthy. Amos did not announce new morality. Like the other prophets, his message was fundamentally conservative in that he called people to obey the law of Moses, to come back and obey. Amos also condemned the, the, the rope worship life that was just tradition and no heart in it. One cannot worship the Lord and lead a life of injustice. To do so is to reject the Lord. Nevertheless, a promised restoration concludes the book of giving hope to readers. Jesus is found profoundly in Amos' name, which was burden bearer. There you go. Somebody's listening. Come on now. So a burden bearer. So keep that in your mind all the way through Amos when you read it. But Amos chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 talks about a good burden to teach others about God. Now, it is a burden. And I warned Dean before he started this, it will be a burden. Literally, I physically and emotionally and spiritually and mentally am drained every week. Why? Because I'm doing the Lord's work and he called me to do that, but it is a burden. Now, is it a blessing? Yes, 100%. I love what I do. For God. But it is a burden. Why? Because I'm worried about all your spiritual lives. I pray for your spiritual lives. I pray that you get closer to God. I, it pains me when I see things and when I don't see things. And when and I, I'm not judging at all, but I'm, I'm, I love my people that God has given me. He has given me those things. And, and Amos was heartbroken over Israel. It's not an easy job to be a minister. It is not. Now, it looks easy sometimes, and it looks like I'm not nervous up here, but my, my stomach wrenches up here because I'm handling the Word of God. And that's a burden. I think every Christian should have that burden of teaching others. Not preaching, not ministering, not pastoring. Well, we all should minister, but minister in our own talent. There should be a burden on us. We don't want people to go to hell. We sit here and we're like, oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not going. But then we don't teach anybody else. There should be a burden on you at work and in and your family and in your friends. There should be a burden that says, and a, and a churning in your heart. If you don't know Jesus, you need to get him now. There should be a burden in our hearts and our lives to be the example. To be the servant of all. If our family needs to, us to wash their feet, then let's wash their feet. Ugh. Jesus washed feet. 
Amos had a burden to go. Amos chapter 1, 1 through 2 says, The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake, when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Joash, was king of Israel. He said, The Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. You think that was a burden of him going and telling his people this? Yeah. (laughs) People did not like prophets. And of course, Amos, he's telling this to his own people. And they're looking at him like, "Uh uh-huh, whatever, sure, good, don't listen to that guy. There's a parody song of, uh, of uh, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. Okay, you know that song, right? There's a parody online that says, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Pastors. You should look that up. It's really funny. But it hits right on that when you are a prophet, when you're a pastor, when you're a, a preacher, there is a burden that we carry. And I'm not saying that I'm better than you because I carry a lot more burden. I'm just saying that God has used people in different ways and different talents, and the burden is on them. We should all have the burden of teaching others about Christ. From our example to the words that we use. From what we do each and every day and what we think to what we teach and we say. To what we watch and to what we listen to. God expects us to have the burden of holiness in our life. Am I perfect at it? No, but Jesus is. Are you perfect at it? No, but Jesus is. That's why we come to Jesus, because he's perfect, and we're not. But we can strive to be that. We can strive to be that in our life, in our teachings, in our, what we look at, and what we do, and how we say it. And so there is a burden on teaching about God. And I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And hopefully, Dean, you can pray for Dean, because Dean's getting in the same position, and he's going to have a burden on him. And we need your prayers. Preachers and pastors need your prayers more than ever, because the world is coming after us. And I don't care. Let him. Katie might get upset. She might not have a husband, but she'll be okay. I might be in jail, but I'll be singing. It's great. The burden is great. But you guys have to share that burden too because you have to teach people about Jesus. And so, because of that burden, we teach people about hope. Amos, yeah, he, he, he said we need to repent, we need to come back to God, but at the end of it, Amos was saying there's a new place, people. There's a new place with God. Did Amos ever see it? Not at that time. But he was preaching and teaching about it, and Jesus brought it in to fruition. Look at Amos chapter 9, 11 through 15. There is hope of a new place with God. Look at Amos 9, 11 through 15. So, verse 11. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins, and will rebuild it as it used to be. Guys, David is dead. So what, what kingdom is he talking about? Anybody? Anybody? Spiritual kingdom. It's not here. It's not physically here anymore, guys. There is a wall. There is a, 
there is a, a kingdom that is never going to be destroyed again. Remember, the Romans came in in AD 70, and what did they do to, to all of Jerusalem? Destroyed it except for one wall. What's that wall called today? The Wailing Wall. There is nothing that can destroy the kingdom of God. Nothing. And, I, and it's awesome to be part of that. It's awesome to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It's awesome to have purpose and love and God reigning. Look at verse 12. So that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. Now, Edom is the same word as Esau. So remember, Esau had, uh, sold his birthright to his brother Jacob, and worse, that he kept lying and, and cheating, and all kinds of, he had all kinds of offenses. And then they got this, this uh, nation together and they, all these lands, and God's saying, look, even the remnant of Edom, I'm going to give everything back to my people. I'm going to make it holy, and I'm going to give it back. So Edom was equalized as an enemy and synonymous with hurt, pain, and burden. And so he's not going to have that anymore. We're not going to have Edom. We're not going to have burdens of sin, of death, and of hell. You're going to be part of a new kingdom, an awesome kingdom, something that nobody can destroy. Look at verse 13. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. So the reaper is reaping it and the plowman is trying to plow it and they're like bumping into each other. Like there's so much blessings, there's so much spiritual blessings that they can't even keep up with each other. The workmen will just keep passing them. There will be new wine. Now, I'm not saying go home and get drunk on wine. This is a spiritual wine. This is a that you're drunk in the spirit. That we're so joyful, that we're so passionate, that we're so on fire for God, that people think, man, he's drunk. Yes, I am. And I haven't had a, lip, a lick of liquor today. But I'm drunk in the spirit. It'll be dripping everywhere. You can look. Look at Matthew 9, 37 through 38. Oh, this is good stuff right here. Matthew chapter 9, 37 through 38. Oh, this is a prayer that we need to pray every day. Then he said to his disciples, uh, if you're a Christian, you are a what? Disciple. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 37% of pastors are dropping off monthly. Monthly. 28% of those are still in ministry, but they're compromising the scripture. 54% is thinking about leaving. There's not that many workers. What does he say? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know how ripe America and the world is for God, it is ripe. It is to be the, it's picking. It's just going out and talking and, and being with Jesus and being with others. And yet we just sit back and say, well, I'm going to heaven. I don't care about them. But we're supposed to pray that each and every day. They, 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 I want them to be drunk in the spirit. I want them to have the new wine. I want them to be a part of a kingdom that never ends. 
Look at verse 14 of Amos. This is good stuff here. And I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. The land is now. We are planted in the kingdom of God now. Spiritually, the church is the new Jerusalem. It is the new Israel. We are the spiritual kingdom. Jesus and everybody else. Remember, he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. There is just Jesus and everybody. And when we become a Christian, we become a servant of everybody that's on that line. We become more humble. We are in a spiritual kingdom. And here's Amos pointing at that. It is a good burden to teach others about God. There is a hope of a new place with God. And then we don't have to have the burden anymore. Jesus is our burden bearer. Jesus burdened himself with the law, temptation, sin, and the second death. His life, his death, and burial and resurrection, it was all about Jesus taking it from us. We don't have to have any more. We don't have to have the shame or the doubt or the sin. We don't have to have that. But what do we do? We cling on to him like, oh, yes, this is beautiful, wonderful. I love this pride in me. I love this other, whatever sin you have. Get rid of it. Throw it away. Jesus has taken that away. Why do we keep going back to it? Amos was pointing that you don't have to burden anymore. You don't have to bear that burden. Come to Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Guys, if you are, if you're suffering from, from not thinking that you're special, that you're not, you know, you, you're just a pile of cells. You are special. You're one in a billion by science terms. But God has given you a spirit. And he says this. Go to the Bible for healing. Look at this. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Come to Jesus. Me is capitalized because it's talking about Jesus. Come to Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's why we come together on Sundays, that we can help each other, that we can point to Jesus, our burden bearer. Look at Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, oh my goodness, we still sin. Yes. And if you're caught in it, guess what God says? See, God has the answers. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. doesn't mean like throwing the brick at them or pointing the finger. It says what? Restore the person gently. But watch yourselves, 
or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's what? Okay, come on. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So not only Jesus takes our burdens away, but we need to put our arms around each other and say, look, if you're struggling with something, let's do this together. If you're happy, let's do this together. If you're joyful, let's do this together. If you're having this party, let's do it together. Let's do life together as Christians, not just on Sundays. God expects us to be brothers and sisters in Christ. If you haven't talked to your brother in years and years and years, what kind of relationship do you have with him? But if you keep talking to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you have this relationship that builds. Sometimes our family members, we don't really care too much, right? But we can pick the brothers and sisters that we hang out with, that we love, that we do life together. And God has put us together as brothers and sisters. And so this spiritual family will last forever. So if you can't stand me now, don't come to heaven. Because I'll be there forever. And if I can't stand you now, I'm not going to heaven either. We have to love each other. If we can't love each other now, if we can't hang out with each other now, you ain't making it. Because love exists here and love exists there. 1 John 5, 2 through 4. You want to know if you're loving, if you're following Jesus? Here we go. 1 John 5, 2 through 4. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not what? Burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Guys, we've overcome the world. There is no more burden to carry. Jesus has taken it away. And if we are carried by burdens, we have each other. And if we are helping each other, then we're following God's commands, and it's not that bad. How can it, how can it be really bad to say, love one another and love your enemies? I mean, that's not really that burdensome, is it? Now, we make it that way because of our pride or we don't really want to talk to that person or we're not really going to give them a glass of water if they're thirsty. We make that burden. But Jesus said there's not burden in that. If you love everyone and you tell them the truth, then there's not really any burden. You're the one who makes the burden. That's very simple to do. But a lot of times we put on ourselves all these burdens of what we think we should be doing. Let's just do what Jesus wants us to do. He has all the commands right here. And yet we are liable before him because we are a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, you're supposed to be following what God tells you to do. Not just saying, I'm a Christian, and then just uh, mosey on over here and do what I want. It is a good burden to look at the God's commands. And it's not heavy. It is easy if we have the Spirit of God with us. We need to put our faith in Jesus, and he can take that burden away and help us each and every day. Ooh, that rhymed. I didn't even even practice that one. Guys, Amos was pointing to Jesus. It is good burden to teach others about God. There is hope in a new place with God. Guys, I want every one of you. I want my enemies. I want America. I want 842 people in Canaan. I want them all there. Wouldn't that be awesome? More numerous than you can count. The only way we're going to do it is each of you teach other people about Jesus. 
take the burden on to teach other people about Jesus. And it will get lighter and lighter. Because then if all of Canaan are Christians, man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? We'll have everything in common. We'll, we'll, we'll help each other. We'll, we'll help with each other's burdens. But it only comes through Jesus. It only comes if we trust and have the Spirit with Jesus. Jesus is our burden bearer. Let him take it. Let him take the law. Let him take the temptation. Let him take the sin. Let him take the second death. And we can be free. Let Jesus into your life. Have the faith to ask and you will receive. Then we get to confess. We get to repent. We get to be immersed in the water. We get to have faith for the longest time. We get to see Jesus and hug him. We get to have heaven and a new earth and a new heaven and a new body and a new spirit. And we, we don't have to cry anymore. We don't have to have pain. We're going to be with Jesus Christ himself. Why do we want to have any other burden? We need Jesus. If you are making that decision today, come talk to one of us. Come up here. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll ha- have Jesus and, and have faith in him. He is the one that we need. Amos knew it. Amos prophesied it. And Amos pointed even to his name that Jesus is our burden bearer. Let's pray.